Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Kudzu Radio Hour. This is Kudzu Radio Hour number 139. This podcast was recorded on Saturday morning, January 30th, 2021. I'm your host, Michael Buffalo-Smith. I will be joined later on by uh, my partners in crime, Billy Eli, Patrick Beach, and Jim Hemphill. Today's primary topic we're going to talk about is man got the blues, uh, essential blues musicians. Man, it should be fun. Also, we're going to have another round of our high fidelity game. And as always, a few little recommendations of things that we uh, individually have uh, enjoyed this week or whatever that maybe you might like. So anyway, without further ado, um, I do want to say a couple of words about our fine sponsors. Thank you so much for uh, listening to the Kudzu Radio Hour. It is brought to you by some uh, fine folks, some fine folks at the um, Springer Mountain Farms. Springer Mountain Farms, man, yeah, in Georgia. They, uh, they have the greatest chicken, man, the greatest chicken. Fresh chicken responsibly raised on family farms with no antibiotics, no hormones, no steroids, no animal byproducts ever, 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 ever. If, you, if you're going for the healthy card, uh, that's what you need. Get more information or order online at springermountain.com. Springermtn.com. No, not only is Springer Mountain chicken healthier, uh, and good for you, but it sure tastes superior to other chicken. It really does. I can say for a fact, I know I'm a big fan. I love it. Springer Mountain Farms chicken. The program's also brought to you by our friends, the Boxmasters, a rock and rolling band, man, a rock and rolling band. Helmed by uh, one Billy Bob Thornton a.k.a. Bud Thornton, better known as Bud, and uh, his partner, J.D. Andrew. Together, these guys are writing songs on, you know, I mean, they're prolific. They write some great songs, and um, I like to call them the New Lennon and McCartney. Really great writers, and the music is off the chain good. The new album, or the latest album anyway, is called Light Race. And it's absolutely wonderful. It's their best one in 13 years that they've been playing. And uh, I've been following, following them since day one. You can take my word for it. It's really good. You can get uh, Light Race on vinyl, CD, or download, or all of the above. You can get the album. You can get other CDs um, and swag, everything from Boxmasters ashtrays to shot glasses to stickers everything t-shirts all at theboxmasters.com check it out at theboxmasters.com and follow them on social media got a really good instagram account boxmasters official and uh, they keep that thing hopping with all sorts of uh, vintage uh, pictures and current and vintage pictures of the band and all the things are um, involving the Boxmasters. So yeah, man, that's our friends and they rock out, man.
maybe that's the box masters the uh program is also brought to you by fog hat sellers fog hat sellers that's right baby fog hat sellers they uh they got wine man wine everybody knows fog hat from the rock and roll right the boogie they always bring the boogie and have for like 50 years wow who doesn't love slow ride and fool for the city but you know just as good as the music is fog hat wine pinot chardonnay they have it all and uh it's good stuff man get in touch with our buddy roger earl drummer and wine maker roger and his wife linda they really work hard at this and uh the product just speaks for itself it's really good fog hat wine go to foghatsellers.com for more information or you can find them through the band website at foghat.com check it out and while you're online while you're looking around at stuff uh, be sure to visit the kudzu magazine site read the current issue issue number 40 uh, and all the past issues all the way back to number one that's right it's all free 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 my favorite price check it out kudzumag.com www.kudzumag.com k-u-d-z-o-o-m-a-g.com also please visit the uh, video channel on youtube ambassador of southern rock and uh just see our interviews we've got interviews with roger earl from fog hat uh, sean murphy that was with little feet freddie salem from the outlaws plus we've got uh started doing things where we count down the greatest live albums of all time the greatest studio albums the greatest southern rock album oh just all kinds of stuff and it's all on the uh, youtube channel ambassador of southern rock if you want to get in touch with us for any reason comments opposing viewpoints um ideas love letters email us at kudzumag at yahoo.com k-u-d-z-o-o-m-h-e kudzumag at yahoo.com and uh yeah it's all good man it's all good all right it's time to dive right in uh diving right into the show like i say we're going to be talking about blues artists so we're going to kick off with one of my all-time favorites uh mr buddy guy from his 2019 album this is a song called the blues is alive and well yeah baby and ain't it the truth We'll be right back with the guys and be talking some stuff here. In just a few minutes. Thanks. When I walked through the front door I swear I heard the back door slam I got a sneaky suspicion You got another man You done me wrong 
our love is dead and gone But as far as I can tell The blues is alive and well Said you was visiting your sister On the south side of town But your sister called this morning Said you never came around Yes, you're doing me wrong Our love is dead and gone But as far as I can tell The blues is alive and well I've been hurting this way For so damn long Misery and pain Still coming on strong As long as I'm breathing And my heart's still beating I got my story to tell I know the blues is alive and well Yes, it is. Alive. 
All right, y'all. Welcome to the Kudzu Radio Hour. So good to be back with you on another Saturday. Please make welcome to the program my co-hosts. You know them. You love them. You can't live without them. All the way from Whoville, Billy Eli. Hey, Buffalo. What's up, man? I don't know, man. Nothing shaking but the leaves on the trees. And yeah. out in Austin, Tejas, we've got uh, Jim Hemphill and Patrick Beach. Hello. Hey, y'all. Hey, man, I got a question before we get going. Buff, man, that was a great song you opened with. What was it? That was a good one, wasn't it? That was really a good song. That's all Plus, I got to say. Yeah. That, that was, that, man, that was at least as good as Thunder Road. No, I know what yeah. it was. I know what it was. It was, <laughs> it was a song from the latest album, but Buddy Guy. Right, yeah. Well, you yeah. had told me you were going to play that. So yeah, yeah. yeah. He, uh, man, man, got the blues. Which yeah, he has. Yeah. I figured <laughs> we'd start with him because he actually inspired the topic. By uh, I told you all that story last week of a lady that used to work for me, or with me, and when when I told her I was going to see Buddy Guy, Buddy Guy, she just yells out, "Man, got the blues." And from then on, everybody we talked about in music, we would be walking through the office and uh, J- James would go, I'm going to see Sting this week. And, he, and we'd go, man, I got the blues. <laughs> you know, going to see Garth Brooks. Man, I got the blues. <laughs> so, but buddy's, Buddy really did have the blues. Never right. seen anybody more blue in my life. Man, got it down, boy. <laughs> I just love watching Buddy up. Uh, in that concert, we were at Clemson and we were like on the front row and, uh, the way he would play with his dynamics with not only with the guitar, but with the vocal, when he would be screaming and back off and just kind of lean back and get to a whisper and take his guitar down at the same time, well, you man, notice well, I said well, guitar cause I'm from South Carolina, his guitar. Right. Yeah. And man, oh man, man, man got the blues. That's all I can say. Anyway, that being said. What venue was that? Huh? What Clemson, venue? Clemson, uh, Tillman Hall, Clemson. Okay, so it wasn't, wasn't a huge venue. I mean, it was. No, it was small. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. That's see, what I like, and it's that, like a little. That's, ample, a, pl- like that's a, little, a place to see. That's a place to see acts like that. Man. Well, yeah, and the seating and all, it's like a made for like a speaker or something, right? Or somebody's speaking. And uh, I saw uh, Buddy there, and then we saw Johnny Winter in the same venue, and it was like very intimate, I would say. Uh, I also saw Buddy at the Peace Center in Greenville. It was much more, you know, bigger and uh, everything. And what is be, much fun? Who didn't want to be intimate with Johnny Winter? <laughs> okay, yeah. sorry. I, I it was a, it was a bad bad joke, but somebody yeah. had to say it. Yeah, somebody did. And uh, and and Joey Parrish is here. No, Joey, you had to take up the slack because if Joey was here. Joey wasn't. If Joey had been here, he would have said it. King of bad jokes. King of bad jokes. I love it. So anyway, all that being said, it's time to play. Wait, somebody play. Cue the theme music. High fidelity. High fidelity. Or the techno version. High fidelity. I got a T, I got a high, I got a five, I got a delity. Um, what's your category? I think I, you know, I need some of those, uh, whatever the guys on the happy hour had last night. I need a little bit of that and I'll be straightened out. 
See, man, um, really? Because I, I was actually thinking more like shock therapy, but yeah. you know, I already tried that, but it didn't work. Oh, whatever. I put the electrodes in the wrong place. I shouldn't have put them on my butt. Um, yeah, that's a that's a whole different story. Have an elegy. Uh, two things. I've got two for you. Okay. First, this week, Michael Buffalo Smith, that's me. Yeah. Finally got myself a turntable for the first did, time in a hundred years. Did you really? Yeah, it's a but it's a weird little thing. It's a Victrola, which is of course classic, but it's a all in one with a radio C D player and turntable. And it's designed to look like nineteen fifties. It's red and chrome and looks like a fifties Corvette. Looks, or looks like an automobile. Yeah. Or, a, or or like something you'd see at a soda shop in the 50s. Something designed by Harley Earl. And the speakers in it are kind of lame, but I've got this Bose here, and it's it, uh, it takes Bluetooth, and this thing sends out a Bluetooth signal. So I'm playing it, and it comes through the Bose. So the question is, getting the first turn to a turntable for the first time in 20 years or whatever, have you, pl have you played the first on album? It yet? The question is, what was the first album that Buffalo played on the turntable? Yeah. Guesses. Guesses. Billy, what do you guess it would be? I'm probably wrong, but I'm going to go with the classic, man. I'm going to go with the Almond Brothers live at the Fillmore. All right. All right. That's yeah. a good guess, man. That is a good guess. Real good. Uh, uh, gonna, Derek, I Derek and the Dominoes, Layla, another. God, you're naming my two favorite records. Guess, Mr. That's my two favorite albums, but no. Not, yeah, nah. right. <laughs> How about that? Pat. Now, it was, uh, I'll be the tiebreaker here. It was totally live at the Fillmore. Nope. Both <laughs> of those are my two favorite albums all, but the first one I played was Maria McKee, you got to sin to get saved. <laughs> That's also that's also another great record. <laughs> I just, the first thing I wanted to hear on my turntable was Maria. I played her, and then I dug out and played two Lone Justice albums. So, Which ones? Yeah, the, the, well, the first two. Okay. And then uh, then I went with Dwight Yoakam and uh, Guitars and Cadillacs. So I was in a mood, man, in a mood. I haven't even got to the almonds yet. You had to, you you had that Southern California thing going, didn't you? Yeah, I love that. That's my life. <laughs> well, yeah, us too. <laughs> well, I've got it lined up to do uh, because you've talked so much about it. My next one this evening that I'm going to play, I've got them stacked in there, stacks of wax, and the next one is going to be uh, uh, Gilded Palace of Sin. Jim Jim's yeah. been spinning that one a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I mean, it sounds I, so good on vinyl. Wow. I, I, li I like to think that he's sitting in the studio li listening to listen to side one over and over again, man, and drinking really top shelf bourbon. <laughs> I, I, I like to think that that's what he's doing. <laughs> that's that's pretty that's pretty <laughs> good. Pretty, pretty damn close. The worst top good. shelf bourbon sound. My God, I'm amazing, like Creston was. <laughs> You're really a lot like Creston, actually. <laughs> Or who? Or Harry Houdini? Oh. Yeah, him too. Him too. Or, or Criswell. Criswell. <laughs> uh, the second oh. question is more of a real high, high fidelity question. Um, okay. It's called "Can't Get You Out of My Head," and uh. I've had this happen a lot lately. I mean, really, as I've gotten older, I mean, it's got you get a song stuck in your head, and it won't leave for like a day or two. 
So what song did you most recently get stuck in your head and you just couldn't quit? You know, you couldn't purge it for anything, Billy. Okay, man, it's going to be weird. I, I don't remember the year. This was in the late, this from the late fifties or early sixties, something I have not heard in, I know 40 years at least. Uh, and it's by an artist that I'm not even really a fan of, uh, although he wrote some good songs. I never owned any of his records. A guy named Bill Anderson, they known as Whispering Bill, and he did oh, I love Nashville. Bill. And he he uh, he wrote this hokey song that sticks. That when I think about <laughs> it, it sticks in my head. It's called uh, "My Life Throw It Away If I Want To," and the reason it always sticks in my head. He for the chorus, he drops down into a bass register, so he's. He's singing in his normal range, and then for the chorus, he drops down. And he goes, "My life, throw it away if I want to." <laughs> Bill and, a Anderson. Day, and a couple of days ago, I, I got that hook in my head, and I sang that for six fucking hours. <laughs> <laughs> I thought for a minute you were going to say uh, that song he did, "Po Folks." You remember that? Uh, yeah, Mama and my daddy were poor folk. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I tell you <laughs> what, man, he got ripped on a lot for, you know, that whisper and delivery. But, man, he wrote one of the best country songs of all time. He wrote uh, uh, City Lights. Uh, oh, right man, away, yeah. City Lights. Yeah. Uh, I just read, I recent, last year I read his uh, his biography. It's back here that uh, old buddy of mine, Peter Cooper, wrote the uh, introduction. Well, I th actually, he wrote the book with Bill Anderson, actually. Yeah, and and he wrote some really good songs, man. His his delivery was a little bit, you know. I mean, his his taste and the songs and all that was a little little smoother than I like, man. You know, I, I like I like some jagged edges, but but uh, yeah. Jim, but, what's uh, what's the one that's gotten stuck in your head the most recently? Okay, I'm gonna. This is the, I'm gonna be honest, and this is in the category of earworms that you you know that you might wish you didn't get, but I actually think it's a pretty great song. And, and it was in my head for probably a week. And that is complicated by Avril Lavigne. That's a great song, man. It, it really is. is. Actually and, and it's a, a great, really good song. It's a good yeah. hook too, man. Exactly. And it, it, it hooked me the last time I heard it. I just like for a week was just it was just running through my head that, so. man, that, that, the broken rhythm the way she it's a good record it is a really good is a well put together record and it's got a, a hell of a hook it's got a hook that you can't get away from no matter how hard yeah. you try yeah exactly that's exactly right and that's why they call them hooks <laughs> a hook a earworm with a hook you can imagine that um pat well, speaking of hooks, uh, last Saturday or maybe the, maybe the Saturday before, I was uh, I was in the car and I heard the story on the radio how, f for some damn reason, in this pandemic age, <clears throat> people are taking to singing sea shanties. And damned if the <laughs> next morning, damned if the next morning, I didn't wake up with "I'm not making this up." The theme from Gilligan's Island rattling around my head. Yes, <laughs> really, man. man. Ah, you know. Uh, that was only supposed to be a three-hour tour. <laughs> That's yeah. what I hear. What else? What's all this about the professor and Marianne? That's what I want to know. Yeah. Um, hey, man, she was Marianne. She, she was, was beautiful, yeah, and and she was she was the hottest woman on the. It was funny. Yeah. It was well, Don Wells. I read in her next to Lovey. 
She had a they crush changed. on the guy that played uh, the professor. Yeah, I they, read that they, too. They, man. they changed the lyrics. They changed the lyrics to the theme after the first season or two because it wasn't the professor and Marianne at first. It was it like was professor and the rest and the rest, and 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 the rest, rest yeah. which were, there were two of them. That was yeah, kind of, yeah. Pro- I think they changed at the same time they went to color. Yeah. And the professor and Marianne characters were like, what are we potted plants? Come on. It's not, it's not that complicated. So. And I think no, Ginger's no. the only one who's still alive now. Right. Yeah. Is that still yeah. Alive? I yeah. think she's the only one left. And just barely. I mean, we ought we ought to do a, we ought to do an episode just uh, just about Gilligan's just Island. Just about Gilligan's Island, man. Yeah. Hell of a, you know that's really a good idea. I think I, we should do that. I like the one where they almost get off the island, but then Gilligan screws it up. That's that's the, <laughs> that one. Favorite. Oh, you mean favorite, episode, That's my favorite <laughs> one, man. That's my favorite one. Yeah, yeah. I, this, I, I will I will say this. I absolutely. I don't know what kind of batteries they had in that radio, but damn, I wish I had some batteries. <laughs> uh, yeah, and the funny thing is, they couldn't get off the island, but they could like build everything in the world. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's, that's a there's a there's a great cheesy movie from the '80s called Back to the Beach, and it, it has cameos of all those guys in it, and and, uh, and Bob Denver's playing a playing the uh, bartender there, and he delivers this, he gives this guy a drink, and it's in a coconut shell. And he says, "I was once on an island with a guy, and you gave him two of these and palm and a banana front, uh, a palm frond, he could build a nuclear reactor." But he couldn't fix a two-foot hole in a boat. <laughs> uh, well, my uh, mine's stuck in my head. Thing, and I swear, I've had this. I have this in a really bad way because uh, sometimes I get a song that I don't really like at all, and it just—I don't know—it beams in. It's sort of like I got. You know, I've read these articles where people people said the fillings in their teeth are picking up the radio or whatever, but. My brain is picking up things that uh, I may not have heard in a million years or maybe, you know, I don't know. Just crazy stuff. But uh, this one song uh, that I do kind of like, I really do like it. But I got it in my head for like three days. It's Celine Dion. And it's a song called It's All Coming Back to Me Now. Written by Jim Steinman, who wrote all the stuff for Meatloaf. And I know you are a big, big fan of Jim Steinman's, man. So. I love Jim Steinman and his, his writing. And, and that song, it's got all these, you know, it's very theatrical. Uh, and so I'm laying in the bed at night and I hear this. Uh, there were nights when I was so cold. I'm like, please let me go to bed. Please let me go to sleep. No. You know, I try to think of something else and it won't. I, I try thinking. Okay, let me think of, to think of something songs I was listening to earlier. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think of something cheery that'll help cheery. me sleep. Yeah, yeah. 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 But like uh, COVID. <laughs> yeah, something cheery like COVID. Oh, all that being said, well, that's wacky fun. Uh, recommendations time. Ding, 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 ding. There's no theme music for this either. Bum, 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 bum. There you go. Man. Okay, it's go an ahead. impossible. Okay, yeah. yeah, which is basically my life story. Uh, recommendations, Billy. Do you have anything that you? Uh, I do, but on? let me. I do, but let me go last. I've got three, and I hadn't narrowed it down to one yet. No, you don't have to. You can. Are you there? Yeah, hit the button. Hit oh, the mute oh, button. Oh, okay. All right, Jim, you go first. Sure. I, I mean, I I, I got to say I didn't really prep for the show this week so it's probably going to show particularly when we get to the theme which i had forgotten all about but anyway 
So I don't, I, but I'm going to tell you the one of the craziest, coolest things that I saw this week when I went on a brief rabbit hole YouTube trip. So go to YouTube and search for Focus Hocus Pocus Midnight Special. Okay. The Dutch 70s Dutch prog rock band Focus doing their instrumental hit Hocus Pocus live on Midnight Special introduced by Gladys Knight. There's a fun, couple man. of great that. things about this. Okay, first of all, it reminds you how great Midnight Special was yeah. that they would have Gladys Knight as the host introducing Focus, doing Hocus Pocus. Uh, and they were really, really great players. Jan Ackerman, the guitarist, just completely and totally shreds, not to mention the yodeling. It's, it is a real trip. <laughs> the, the studio version the studio version was off the hook enough, but this live version you got to see. Hocus, Hocus Pocus, live on the Midnight Special, 1973, introduced by Gladys Knight. It'll take you five minutes, and it will be worth it. I have a question. Is it as sure. compelling as that video with Waddy Wattell doing that weird thing? With that <laughs> well, now, I'm trying to make up for that, okay? Because that's just disturbing, right? This is cool. This is just off-the-chain crazy cool. So it's it will not – it might give you nightmares a little bit. The, yodel, the yodeling might give you nightmares. Well, I remember, but, yeah, I, remember, I, got, uh, I started having nightmares when you said yodeling. But, but really, you got to check it out. It is in freaking sane. I'm glad you said well, that, Jim, because uh, <laughs> think about focus. Back in um, early 70s when me and uh, my friend Larry were riding around in his uh, – 73 Chevelle with eight track player with the JBL speakers. We, we used to buy these eight track tapes cheap that would have multi artists on it. And one of them had, uh, I think it was 1973 or whatever. And it had a hocus pocus on there with a bunch of other stuff. And we used to crank that thing up and that whole oh, 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 thing is that man, it was crazy. And then you go midnight special and I'm like, okay, I've got a whole book on that that lists all the shows and everything. I was such a fan. I never missed it. And they had, that was just, you know, we just don't have anything like that anymore because I guess, cause we got the internet, we don't need it. But I saw somebody posted somewhere the other day, uh, how much they missed a uh, midnight special. And that one on Fridays, it was in concert on ABC at 1130. Yeah. Uh, midnight special on NBC yeah. at one. And then Saturday was Don Kirshner yep. at 11.30. Every weekend. Every weekend. Kurt, I remember, yeah, I'm not going to sidetrack us. Never mind. Go ahead, man. I was going to say something, but that'll, well, that'll, that's a whole different rabbit hole. <laughs> well, so, uh, uh, good recommendation. Anyway, uh, Pat, Pat, you got a, something to recommend? I do. I had one. Uh, I had one chambered and ready to fire but then uh i'm gonna i'm gonna put that one back in my bandolier and maybe use it next week because just last night i watched a movie that i had very low expectations for uh it's uh you can netflix it it's john stewart's movie irresistible that came out last year <clears throat> uh, i hadn't even heard of that <laughs> yeah it's it's called irresistible and all the reviews said oh yes this is very very resistible i really liked it um steve carell is this political strategist in Washington. And there's some dying farm community in Wisconsin, the kind of little town that Jim and I know quite well. And uh, they're having a town meeting and 
Chris Cooper is a farmer and he goes in and makes this speech in front of the town commissioners or the city council or whatever. And it's, it's a real populist inclusive message. Somebody shoots video on their phone and sure enough, the video goes viral. And Steve Carell says, I'm going to fly out there and I'm going to get that guy to run for the mayor of this little town because the incumbent mayor, a Republican is up for reelection. So it's a little bit, it's a little bit, Mr. Smith goes to Washington. It's a little bit a face in the crowd and it's a little bit wag the dog. And in the third act, you get to the whole question of who's playing whom. Of course, this this little town mayoral race becomes a national story. The RNC is attracted. The RNC uh, sends this female Republican strategist to the town, and of course, she's she's Steve Carell's arch enemy. I thought it was maybe because my expectations were so low, but I really, really liked it. I told my wife afterwards, I think I liked that. So, uh, despite all the reviews. Take my word for it. It's definitely worth a watch. Irresistible. Well, right. that's irresistible. Um, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, all right. I'm near, I'm, I'm near mine to two anyway. And I, here's what happened this week, man. I was uh, I was poking around. I thought around. you were going last. Yeah. Oh, well, didn't you go already? No, huh? Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, that's okay. If you want to go first, I mean, I don't no, care. no, I, I, no, I'll go last. <laughs> Well, it's okay. I mean, if you want to go, no, I'm just. No, kidding. man, go. Hey, I don't, don't want to go now. I don't want to freaking go no, now. I'm not okay? going now. You came back. I'm not going. I'm never going again. Um, I'm just. I'm sorry. Um, no, it's okay. Go ahead. I've got two. Okay, because I had one, and then one of them was sort of just jumped out yesterday. The one I already had that I've got to talk about. My buddy Chuck Lavelle and his documentary called Tree Man. You can see it on Amazon Prime. It's brand new. And Chuck uh, talks about his mu his vast music career and his forestry. Um, all the stuff about working as one of the Almond Brothers band and then becoming the touring keyboard player and um, band director for the Rolling Stones. And for all these years, many, many years, and uh, still is, and there's just tons and tons and tons of uh, rock stars and all on there. They're all just singing the praises of Chuck and everything, including Keith. Yeah, Keith. Keith Richards and Mick and all, well, all the Stones, Charlie Watson, uh, everybody, Ron Wood. Um, and just, uh, man, it's just loaded with, uh, you know, uh, the, with all these folks and talking, telling stories about the almonds and the Stones and then, you get to see a whole lot around Chuck and his wife, Rose Lane's uh, place, the Charlene Plantation down in Georgia, which is beautiful. And, you know, it's got a huge forest. And he, he, he uh, uh, every time I say forest, I want to say forest gump, but it's nothing to do with that. Um, I learned a little bit about forestry. I mean, he don't, he don't dwell on it, but he does talk about it. And he talks about controlled burning all the stuff that I knew nothing about. Yeah. About how to, it's, it's to keep the underbrush from building up. So yeah, all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's wonderful. It. Yeah. Well, wonderful you know, stuff. You, you can sweep the forest floor too. That helps. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, sweeping. Yeah. Sweeping. All right. And that, and that's going to sell over almost everybody's head because it didn't, <laughs> it didn't get, it didn't get that much press time and it hadn't been that long ago. Yeah. So well, I, uh, I, 
uh, Chuck is <sighs> Chuck is so cool. I interviewed him uh, ahead of a Stones show in '89 or '90, and he talked some about his tree farm, and obviously talked about the Stones. And then I remember I asked him. I said, "Have are you working with anyone else? You got anything else coming up?" And he said. There's this new band from Georgia I've been working with. You need to look out for them. I tell you, you need to look out for them. They're called the Black Crows. Yeah. And this is before before that, before Shake yeah, Your Money. Shake Your Money, money Maker. Yeah, if you look at Chuck's... He was right uh, about that. You look at Chuck's uh, musical discography, it goes pages and pages uh, with the Crows and Widespread Panic and everybody in the freaking world. But... Um, what I was going to say about that uh, forestry thing, when he was talking about how he, you know, he was talking about the the trees that they have to cut down when they're changing uh, thing. You know, he's talking about there was some uh, trees that would get damaged by, I forgot what he was saying, some kind of a bug or something. Southern pine uh, beetle. And, yeah, yeah, the beetles. And they were, they were like, so we'd have to cut the trees down. But he, he said, uh, they would take that wood and make fence posts right. and all this kind of stuff. So everything he does is very uh, ecological. And that was, very, that part was very interesting. Of course, I was crazy about the music, um, the musical part. And there's a lot of scenes where Chuck just sits at a piano and starts playing. They showed him in the Capricorn, the revamped Capricorn studio. And he walks over and he goes, Oh, I remember this piano. And he sits down and he started playing Jessica and he was playing the lead guitar part was right hand and the other part was left hand. And I'm like, how in the world? I mean, just amazing guy. But anyway, tree man, Chuck Lavelle, don't let it, don't let tree man, you know, folks, uh, make you think it's just about forest because it's about his whole, everything that he does. And just a wonderful, good friend of mine, and just a wonderful guy, uh, as is uh, his wife, Rose Lane. She's a sweet, sweet uh, lady. And also, this video is also really a love story about those two and how they've just, they're just perfect for each other. And they always have been. And they met at Capricorn when she was a secretary, which is kind of cool. Uh, my other thing is going to be a little bit shorter of a, a rant. Uh, after I heard yesterday uh, that we had lost uh, the great uh, Cicely Tyson, uh, who passed away, uh, I um, I decided I wanted to go back and rewatch one I hadn't seen in years, the autobiography of Miss Jane Pittman, the uh, from 1974, um, where Cicely she was relatively young when she did that, but she played a 110 year old former slave right. in 1962. Uh, it was kind of an early foray into Hollywood's uh, positive commenting uh, uh, against racism, really. I mean, early, back when they didn't do a whole lot of that. Uh, it, was, it was really good, you know, seeing, you know, a good, a good depiction of how badly um, African-Americans were treated back in the, you know, she went through just all kinds of stuff and everything. I mean, it was just amazing. And it's, a, and it's a true story about Jane Pittman. Um, absolutely amazing. And um, what was I going to say about that? Um, something else I was going to say, but I can't remember. Anyway, all I know, Cicely Tyson won an Oscar and deserved it and everything. And she didn't live to be 110. 
she lived to be in her nineties, which was pretty damn close. 96. Yeah. 96. Uh, but man, oh man, just a great actress. She was, uh, uh, she was great in, uh, all, all the movies that I saw her in. I was just, uh, we've had just a whole lot of people, uh, leaving the earth lately. I mean, it's yeah, amazing. I mean, it, but I mean, really at 96, I mean, I, you yeah, know. that's pretty good. But that's still, even that being said, you just look at the amount of, uh, well, and Clor we lost Cloris Leachman earlier this week. Oh, Cloris Leachman. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, she, and was, she was 92 or 94. Yeah. The first thing I thought about when I thought about Cloris was the second, first thing I thought about was when she was in, um, the Mel Brooks movie. What was it? Oh, um, young Frankenstein, young Frankenstein. Yeah. And, Frankenstein, uh, yeah. but the second thing I thought about was when she was with Billy Bob and, uh, uh, bad Santa, uh, she was gra granny, granny and bad Santa, uh, Thurman Merma's uh, grandmother. <laughs> with Billy Bob says, who do you live with kid? I live with my grandma. And he goes, is granny spry? Does she get around? <laughs> Yeah, it was a funny movie. He had to be there. Um, that's it. That's uh, that's my recommendations. Oh, wait. Does that wrap up? Uh, that wraps up recommendations. Oh, it doesn't. You put me last. Now you're trying to cut me off. Oh, fuck. yeah, that's right. I don't want you to, I don't want you to be able to talk. I'm afraid you'll fuck. recommend something fuck. dangerous. No, nah, this isn't dangerous. Uh, but let me tell you what happened. So uh, was that last week or a week before last we were talking about uh, – uh, we were talking, uh, I don't remember the exact topic. I know we went down a rabbit hole. We were talking a lot about Motown and we were talking about, uh, we we're talking about the, uh, Marvin Gaye and somebody brought up Aretha and I remembered, you know, that great song, uh, natural woman. And so I was going to pull that up, just listen to it on YouTube. I pull it up and it's got the writer's version, uh, Carol King and, the entire uh album tapestry and you know i've never sat down and just listened to that album top oh, bottom. now i've heard every song on there multiple times but i've never just and and they had it ordered and everything on, on youtube and i just put it on and sat and listened to tapestry and <clears throat> i sometimes forget because that stuff that that uh Carol King's her voice is just so damn good, and yeah. and the material is just so damn good. It's easy to lose, man. That was a complex record, and yeah. I had a set of earphones on, and I'm listening, man, and the production in that, and I believe that was Lou Adler, and and it's uh that that produced, and it's just it's great, man. It, that came out in '71, and I was like. Yeah, I mean, it's that, again, it's that sort of Southern California Canyon music that I like so much. And, you know, it's got, uh, she, uh, it's got uh, Natural Woman on it. And it's uh, uh, the hit she wrote for the Shirelles, uh, Will You Still Will you still Love Me Tomorrow? And mm -hmm. much slower version. And anybody that's got that on vinyl or cd i recommend revisiting that and if uh you don't have that it's available on youtube the album is tapestry uh carol king it came out in 1971 and was a 
kind of an earth-shattering record at the time it came out. It, uh, it broke all kinds of records on the charts. Um, yeah, yeah, it stayed, on, it stayed on the charts yep. six years, man. Didn't they have that song on there? I feel the Earth move. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that. And uh, and uh, it's too late, baby. That was the other. That's too late. Hit. Yeah, yeah. It just, you know, man. I, it just, it's the, the things like that, man. It's for me anyway. It's easy, you know. They're they're kind of on the shelf, and you think of one. Yeah, yeah. That song was on that record. Yeah, it's a good record. But uh, man, I, I recommend anybody that you know is is into that kind of music or really any good songwriter, singer songwriter stuff, go check that out. Nice, like it, nicely like done. it, like it. Yeah, well, that's it's cool, it's cool, man. Wow. Hey, um, I um, let's see, I was trying to find my cue sheet. I can't remember what it was. Anyway, I was digging through uh, digging through some music the other day. Um, where the crap did I put my, just one second here. Let me find myself. Let me find myself. Uh, I was, I was uh, digging through music, some stuff that I hadn't maybe heard in a while. Um, and, uh, you know, well, the box masters are one of our advertisers, of course, but the, uh, damn it. Oh, there it is. All right. So I finally found it. Sorry, folks. Sorry, folks. There's too many things open on my computer screen. I don't know. Okay, I, I can't handle it. I'm, you know, I'm dyslexic anyway. So back before the Box Masters, Billy Bob Thornton had done several solo albums, and um, I forgot how good some of the stuff was. He did a, a album called Private Radio with a bunch of cool songs, um, and uh, some of them are almost recitations, you know, but uh, his song lyric writing is always really great and everything i decided that i wanted to dig this one out and just play it on the radio i even texted and told him i said i'm gonna play your song forever on the radio there's a uh you guys just need to listen to the the words of this i mean it's like very brutally honest you know about a guy and a girl and uh you can figure it out from there so anyway it's about it's not about a car <laughs> Yeah, about what? <laughs> about a car. <laughs> well, a guy and a girl in a car. Uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's all it really takes. Uh, anyway, so anyway, this is uh, Billy Bob Thornton, pre-box masters from Private Radio, and we'll be right back with the uh, Kudzu Radio Hour right after this. Hi, this is Billy Bob Thornton of the Box Masters, and you're listening to the Kudzu Radio Hour with my buddy, Michael Buffalo Smith. Keeping it real and keeping it southern. Hey, baby. It's me. Listen, I'm going to talk fast. This is long distance. Yeah, I'm sitting here at the Waffle House, smothered and covered. Yeah, Precious just set me down a glass of sweet tea. Made me think about you. No, baby, she's a waitress. No, I don't know her. I never stopped in Texarkana before. Look at her, the only thing standing between me and you now is 200 miles in a donut tire. Some cat named Dino was putting on to Sinclair next door. 
Hey, don't cry, baby. Oh, don't cry. Yeah, daddy's coming home this time. That's for good. And girl, I'm gonna... you when the law pulled me over. It said I looked like the kind of guy that might be hiding something. And my car was swerving. But I don't think he's ever seen a man wearing pink panties. And under the influence of Merle Haggard. Now here it is, baby. The only thing between you and me It's 25 miles and a quick stop at the red dot. Say what? Oh, baby, I already told you how long I'm gonna stay this time. Kudzu Radio Hour. The only thing that you're hearing on today on the show today that's not blues is that one. Uh, we got uh, opening and closing with blues because we're talking about man got the blues. That's right, folks. Man got the blues. And that can also be woman got the blues. But we want to talk about essential blues artists. Um, 
of course, the catch is they've got to be blues artists who do not have King in their name, because if you had King in your name, we're all going to say Albert, BB and Freddie or Elvis, because he was the King or maybe the King family or <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, um, all that being said, uh, I'm going to turn it over to you guys while I go take care of business and, uh, I'll come back and do mine. I'll do mine last, but, uh, Billy, you take it from here. You can just right. call the shots and tell you who you want to go first. And yeah, I'll go first. All right. Good. <laughs> and, uh, and we're, we're talking about just bluesmen, right? Blues. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I may not, I may not get five, uh, I figure everybody's or at least somebody is going to have Money Waters, BB King, and and uh, I'm going to start with R.L. Burnside. Yeah, BB King. That's no Kings. Oh, no Kings. Okay, well, R.L. Burnside. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, did uh, what was up? Uh, it's bad, you know. And, and that his big that's his big hit. And uh, I'll tell you, man, what, what's and, uh, about that particular song, the thing that I've always liked, it's, it's, uh, you were, who, uh, was that Jim, you were talking about a song earlier, you were talking about it was more like a, uh, something that was being recited than, than I, I like this song because it's almost like a chant. It, it's, it's less like a blues song and, and it's more like a chant, but, uh, that, okay, R.L. Burnside, I'm trying to, I'm, trying to think outside you know the howling wolf and muddy waters i mean because those are obvious uh blind willie mctell they wrote and did the verse version of uh uh statesboro blues and <clears throat> there's a recording of that you can find on youtube and it, it you know it was recorded probably on one of those cylinder discs, you know, where they sang into the, you played into the Victrola horn and the needle cut it right directly into the wax. And, and uh, it's noisy as hell, but it's, uh, yeah, it's a really good recording. I, I don't know much about his life. Uh, I should know more about the, uh, I should know more about the Texas guys, you know, besides uh, Gatemouth Brown, but uh there was a record store in Austin for years, uh, owned by our very good friend Sue Donahoe, uh, on over on Fifth Street called Local Flavor, and they carried anything that had to do with Texas music at all was in that store. And there was a uh, there was a book about a bluesman from over Navasota or somewhere, and I can't I can't remember the guy's name. I didn't know his music because. It was in the, you know, it was like in the twenties, and almost none of it was recorded. I think his name was Lipscomb. Uh, that mean anything to either either one of you guys? Mance Lipscomb. That's it. That's yeah. That's it. You know, you know anything about him? Mm, Other than some. he was a bluesman from the twenties. Yeah. Yeah. And he was a Texas guy, right? From he, yeah, I think he was. I think he was. Uh, Navasota, Madison, Madisonville, or something Some, somewhere over there somewhere in East Texas. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, and that's it, man. I mean, you know, I can do Money Waters and, and all that stuff, but I mean, everybody already knows those guys, and so uh, you know, yeah, I'm going for uh, going for that real, you know, obscure kind of 
original. You only ever heard them if you happen to be standing in front of the porch they were playing on kind of thing, you know. Anyway, so that's uh, Jim, you go next. All right. Well, I'm going to do the exact opposite of you since I've, I forgot to prep for this and I'm going to go with absolutely obvious choices. Okay. Great. Uh, and I can't do, I can't do Albert King. So, uh, do it anyway, because, buff, buff because the boss here. said, the boss said not to do any. Of no, the no, he, no, he left me. He left me in charge. You can go ahead and do that. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, it's, it's, it's I'm, like we have a substitute teacher. It's right. exactly. <laughs> we get to get, get away with anything we want to. So I'm going to be as obvious as possible because I'm just now kind of doing this off the top of my head. So, okay. uh, but I got to start with Robert Johnson. I mean, you know, that's, you know, he wasn't, wasn't the first, uh, of the early Delta blues players, but in my, in my view, he's probably the best. He was an extraordinary guitarist, uh, and his songs, I mean, dust my broom, sweet home, Chicago, uh, love in vain. Uh, just, just my broom is one of my favorites of all time, man. Just, just amazing. And if I'm remembering correctly, he did the, the few record, he did two recording sessions, both of which were in Texas, I believe one in in San Antonio Antonio and one in Dallas. Yeah. And, um, you know, hugely influential. There's a, there's a, there's one guy who's got a theory, you know, those records, those records sound kind of ethereal because he had that high kind of high lonesome quavering voice he had that uh, field ho- he had that field holler voice yeah, man like and, he was and, like he was hollering to somebody yeah. and um you know and a remarkable guitarist there's one guy who has a theory that they were recorded at the wrong speeds and you need to slow them down to listen to them the right way and i think there's i, I remember see, listening to some of them and it was an intriguing theory listening to some of them. i can't remember if he had them posted on youtube or where but i think i think he's wrong I think that, but maybe it's just because they're so ingrained, you know, he kind of was forgotten for years and years until the early sixties when the King of the Delta blues compilation came out. And then later on, I don't know about 1990 or so the box set of the complete mm-hmm. recordings came out, but uh, he, so I got to start with Robert Johnson cause it's, cause it's easy. And what also is easy is the next one. And that's T-Bone Walker, who is basically the, the father of the electric blues uh, right. and another Texan. Well, a Texan, uh, obviously Robert Johnson wasn't from Texas, but he recorded here. Uh, but, uh, T-Bone Lone Walker, Star Robert Johnson. Lone Star, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, stormy Monday and, and all, all that. I mean, the, his influence is just tremendous because he, he really was, was, uh, the godfather of the electric blues. Um, I know it's called Man Got the Blues, but I feel like you have to have a woman. So obviously, I think to me, the choice is Bessie Smith for, for uh, you know, the empress of the blues. Um, and she was one of the first African-American female superstars back in the oh, 20s yeah. and 30s. Um, and, uh, you know, in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as one of the early influences. And uh, so that's easy. And then for my last two, I got to go Chicago and I'm going to go with the two obvious Chicago and that's the Wolf and Muddy. And they had an, a rivalry uh, in, in the, in Chicago, both of their bands were, were pretty red hot and they would both play, you know, and obviously famously Hubert Sumlin, Wolf's guitarist went and played with Muddy for a while. And apparently Wolf, although he was, certainly an intimidating figure was actually a very, very conscientious and kind band leader. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And, 
And Muddy's band, on the other hand, was famous for being just incredibly drunk most of the time. Uh, so it's kind of the opposite you would think from their personas. But uh, but they and you know and as they got older, I think their rivalry kind of decreased, and they were they were they could get along. But uh, but I mean they're the the titans of the Chicago blues, so I can't I can't not pick both of them actually. Right. And right. It, it it you know and I I you know and odd. Almost said Willie Dixon, if, if for no other reason than his influence as a songwriter. Right. Willie Dixon just was a, a tremendous, you know, mostly played bass, but uh, also just wrote a bunch uh, of the, the great blues classics. I thought and, about you know, him right after I passed it to you. Yeah, I yeah. right. so, <laughs> so, you know, there's just so many. And, and, you know, I wish I could point to someone, you know, I almost feel like saying John Mayle, not necessarily just for his music, but for his evangelical nature of how he nurtured and spread blues well, in how about, the how about Cyril da- how about Cyril Davison same 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 things that these folks and, and Alex help. and Alex corner I mean you know we yeah. wouldn't have had the British and the, the a lot of those first wave British invasion guys that hadn't been for for uh, uh Alex corner and Cyril Davis yeah and, and so you know the, these those are guys that that just kept it alive and 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 moved it to a bigger audience along with the stones actually you know the stones wanted to be a blues band that's how they that, started out that early and, stuff, yeah. yeah and uh and you know they you know keith and mick famously bonded over over keith getting on a bus or something carrying a bunch of old blues records under his arm so anyway that's that's uh that's the best i can do on just uh about five minutes thought so there you go perfect man Pat, uh, let me let me what, let me add one. I didn't do five. I only did two because I. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I'm just gonna add as we go along. So far, uh, uh, you you wanted to do a woman, so uh, I'm gonna add Jonas Johnson. I always wanted to do a woman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a, a human, a human woman. We're not talking about livestock, <laughs> right? We're, we're it's not, it's not, not all bad. <laughs> We're not, we're not talking about livestock all that much. Uh, no, Janice, I want to add Janice, I want to add Janis Joplin to the list. I wish you'd just stop it, man. You just kind of got to eat up everybody on my list, don't you? <laughs> hey, man, I had that happen last week. Remember, I had to go last. I knew I if I was last, I, just I had wouldn't to have sit anybody there and just watch my list just die a little bit at a time. Yeah, that's what I, I see mine doing, but that's okay. I'm still going to name them. As, Boy, uh, it's your turn. Pat already did his. No, but you don't want to go last. He'll kill the rest of your list. You know how he is. <laughs> I do know how he is. You can't, you can't trust him. <laughs> Sorry, I muted while I had to sneeze. That's okay. And Patrick's screen is frozen. Ah, there he's back. All right, here I am. Here I am. Here I am. My turn. Yeah, go ahead. Buff's taking too long. I'm back. Well, just All to right, piggyback. God damn it. <laughs> just to piggyback a little bit on uh, on what Billy said about uh, Junior Kimbrough and R.L. Burnside and all that great fat possum stuff that they pulled out of the juke points in North Mississippi. That's all fantastic. And of course, uh, blues is blues and rhythm and blues are nothing but secularized demonic gospel music. So 
I got to have an honorable mention for Sister Rosetta, who was a gospel oh. singer, but she was <laughs> she was a maniac yeah. on the guitar. Anything just, that just, damn soulful, I'm voting uh, for it. Oh, <laughs> but anyway, those are not my five. So I got honorable mentions on basically everything off of uh, Fat Possum Records and, and Sister Rosetta. Number one or number five, whatever. It's got to be Skip James. Pretty early stuff. But he had this haunting, dark flat picking tone oftentimes because i think he was he was playing in open d tuning but really really good songs and just a, a really haunting ethereal uh tone that, that that set the mood i mean you would just hear him play one note and you knew this guy meant business skip james no relation elmore james to my ears oh yeah man yeah the great the, the very best of the early electric slide players that and piercing piercing tone jim was uh, jim was mentioning the, the brood influences on the blues and and uh and then elmore james and, and you know you guys being musicians are gonna know the relationship but uh that uh the, the influence that elmore james had on uh them uh Brian Jones, man. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. I, 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 he was Brian Jones was trying to be Elmore James. Yep, yep, yep. You know, yep. And, and, and that goes to that thing that Jim was talking about about that early Stone stuff, man. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, man. That was yeah, that was it. <laughs> and then the, the the really interesting thing about the blues, in addition to it being so rooted in, in country music and gospel music, is that you can all you can all you can listen to somebody and you can hear their antecedents their analogs and yet the blues did progress especially when the brits got a hold of it but at some point if it progresses too much it becomes jazz and and that's a different kind of fun but not what we're talking about here but i gotta throw out the most reverend billy f gibbons he's a great great blues player he really is. He really, really is. Well, and, I, and, fu- and fundamentally, I mean, that, that is what he is, fundamentally, yeah. man. Yeah. Um, he's got those great pinch harmonics. He's not the fastest guitar player on the street, but, man, he's got just... I don't know, um, man. I'd say he's pretty damn fast. <laughs> he's just great. And so I really I really like what ZZ Top did with the blues template. Uh, it, it sounds to my ears more American than what the Brits did to it, but it still sounds like identifiably blues until at least they put synths all over those tracks in the eighties in the MTV era. Yeah. Yeah. But I, yeah, yeah, man, but you know, fake drums. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? But let's leave that out, man. Let's, let's keep it, keep it to that for, you know, real grandy mud and trace hombres. And yeah, let's keep, keep it to their, keep, keep it to their country blues period, man. Yep. A little more, a little more uh, purely blues. Uh, got to be, got to mention our uh, adopted hometown boy Stevie Vaughn, of course. You know, uh, both of the Vaughn brothers ought to be, ought to be in my guitar <sighs> hall of fame. And uh, I, I once, I once heard that somebody said the difference between Jimmy Vaughn and Stevie Vaughn is the difference between Playboy and a Hustler. <laughs> <laughs> that, and, uh, that's 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 really actually pretty accurate man yeah yeah and jimmy you know jimmy likes those shuffles uh stevie was all about just making your jaw scrape the floor but i interviewed him one time and 
and he was humble, just like Buddy Guy is humble. You know, he was very soft spoken. He was sober by that time. He'd never made better music than he was making at that time. And he was not cocksure in the least, but man, oh man, what a guitar player. A few years ago, there was an exhibit of some of his guitars and some of his other stuff and uh, at the uh, Texas State History Museum. And among the pieces they had was his his main SRV guitar, which he called that Strat. He called my first wife. <laughs> Number one. <laughs> Number one. Yep. I saw that. I saw that thing in this in this room full of people, and I started weeping. <laughs> um, my number one for sure is Buddy Guy, mm-hmm. the last the last of the originals or the quasi originals who came up to Chicago with you know a couple of quarters, and he was running out of money, and he was about to call his dad back in Louisiana for a bus ticket home and muddy waters came across him and said, Hey, we're your family now. And off he went. He spent a long time in muds band and, and sort of woodshedding and apprenticing. And, and, and like Robert Johnson, he's got that high piercing voice. He's got all kinds of speed playing off those minor pentatonics and a very, very humble guy. When I interviewed him, you know, I basically said, what is it like to be so awesome? <laughs> One of those Chris <laughs> Farley questions. And he said, my mama told me when I was young, when I was playing like a piece of wire nailed to the wall. Nailed to a wall before. Yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> my mama said, son, don't try to be the best in town. Just be the best until the best come around because somebody will. But man, oh man. When I first started seeing him, he was in these little clubs, like 300 seat clubs or something like that. And even back then, he was doing the, he had the long cord. This was before wireless setups. Right, would, right. You know, yeah. Have this, have this hundred foot cord and walk into the women's restroom. And oh, he's he, he seems to be such a nice guy. And I'm so very very glad at the age of what is he 84 something like that. He's got some success. He's probably got some money in the bank. And yeah, uh, baby. And he can rock like mad. Those are my five. But top of the heap, I'm pretty sure, especially as far as living ones, is buddy, buddy MF and guy. Okay. I hate you, Pat. Yeah, I think I, I saw mm-hmm. that coming. I, uh, I hated the other guys, and now I hate you too. So, anyway. <laughs> I hate all you sons of bitches. <laughs> you sons of bitches. Okay. You sons of that- bitches just hold me back. <laughs> My disclaimer is that my five, by no means am I saying these are the definitive five blues artists. They are just five that I feel are essential in the nah, Parthenon. That's, that's not what he's saying, people. He's saying these are the best five. No, I'm not. He's, he's lying. And if, he's and if, lying. The, and if these aren't on your he's list, he's lying. His cock ring's too tight. <laughs> um, the, uh, the, uh, the, 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 uh, it's affecting his brain waves. Um, anyway, so, and they're in no particular order and it doesn't matter because most of them have already been spoken about anyway, twice, twice. two yeah. or three times. My first one though, maybe I don't think has been mentioned as a young man from Texas named Johnny winter. Uh, as a young man in Beaumont, Texas, Johnny loved and studied all the classic blues artists. Uh, the uh, rock and roll of Chuck Berry and all that uh, shared equal space in his brain with uh, 
music of Howlin' Wolf and Willie Dixon and Muddy Waters, etc. And Johnny, you know, he was a rocker, but you know, at heart, he always wanted to be a blues man. In fact, he wanted to be a black blues man. <laughs> I mean, he said that. He, in he, mi he missed that second part. He really missed that second part. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's, yeah. he's as far he was as far black from black as you can get. Yes, I, think he, I, I think he just wanted to be any color. He wanted to be any, any color. Any color. Some color. Some color. Well, he he was uh, under the stage lights. They made him purple and red and everything. Right. Yeah, uh, that's the thing about Edgar challenged. Johnny under the stage lights. They would they would take on any kind of uh, color and just it was amazing. Um, Johnny Winter is one of mine. Another one that's already been mentioned that I just dearly. Dearly, 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 dearly love. Also from Texas, Janice Joplin. Some people tell me, oh, yeah, she's a screamer. I'm like, well, so, but I love it. Uh, standout songs like uh, Peace of My Heart, uh, her version of Summertime, Ball and Chain, and, and one of my favorites is that Cry Baby. Mm -hmm. I love Janice. So anytime, much. Anytime you just think she's a screamer, what was a uh I think it was a didn't she do the acapella thing that she did? Mercedes Benz. Mercedes Benz, yeah. No, that no, she no, she she had she had the stuff, man. Yeah, I she mean, was. She was she, amazing, amazing. Yeah. And I got and, a I got a thing that James Gurley that used to play in Big Brother. Uh, I was in mm -hmm. contact with him back in the nineties uh, and Gurley sent me a recording that he had of her from the days of the coffee houses where she was playing acoustic and singing old blues songs. And, uh, my gosh, it was so good. And she was like 19. So yeah, Janice is one of mine. And I got to get in a plug for the band that I have to mention every time. Uh, the, this New York Dolls. The, the first time I saw the New York Dolls, they did a, a cover of her version of Peace of My Heart. It was awesome. Was it as awesome? I would as love to see David Johansson singing that. It was awesome. <laughs> I can just picture it in my mind right now. They started doing the intro just like you know that was Big Brother, right? That was when she was still yeah, there. yeah, Big yeah, Brother. And yeah, all yeah, the that, they yeah. started doing they started doing the intro, and I'm like, are they freaking doing Peace of My Heart? And by God, they did. <laughs> it was awesome. That's pretty That's cool. So cool. That is really cool. That's pretty cool. Uh, another one of mine is, uh, McKinley Morganfield. Yes. Muddy Waters father of Chicago blues, uh, had several runs of fame in the forties, fifties and sixties. Uh, I caught on to him in 1972 when he did the London muddy water sessions album. And then I really got deeply into him when he teamed up with, uh, one of his fans, which was Johnny Winter. And uh, they started recording these albums together, and he did the um, one of them called Hard Again. That's just one of my classic favorite all time albums. They they did like James three. Cotton, James, James Cotton, Cotton. The James man. Cotton. As a matter of fact, yep. when I saw yep. a, a Johnny Winter, one of the Johnny Winters I sh shows I saw it was uh, Johnny Winter and uh, Muddy Waters, and the opening act was James Cotton Blues Band, and all three of those got on stage together, and it was just like. It'll make you weep. It was so good. Mm. Um, one of my all-time favorites and one of everybody's favorites should be the guy that we're going to play a record by at the end of the program, uh, Mr. Uh, Robert Johnson. 
uh, only lived to be 27 years old, only recorded 29 songs, and only had two recording sessions, one in San Antonio and one in Dallas, 1936 and 1937. That's it. That's it. 28, 29 songs, two sessions. But he became legendary. Um, Lone Star Robert Johnson. <laughs> Lone Star Robert Johnson. We're going to close the show this today after a while with uh, Hellhound on my trail. That's another um, good one. Robert, uh, known for playing with a thumb pick and a, and a slide and, uh, yeah. just amazing, amazing, amazing. Uh, you know, uh, probably was, would have lived longer if he could have kept it in his pants, but you know, he's a guy. What can you say? <laughs> he was, he was, yeah. And Buff, you might've been gone. He was number one on my list as well. Oh, that's, I heard that. And that's well, why I started yeah. weeping. One yeah, of the we great, really, one really of the, did. go ahead, Jim. He played in like, four or five different tunings he would he yeah. would, he pl he played on, pu on in, purpose on purpose yeah on purpose yeah. he and that's and, and that's uh, you know uh, you know eric clapton is famously a, a huge robert johnson fan and, and someone once asked him you know have you you know have you figured out what tuning to use have you looked, looked into that and he said that music is just so sacred to me that I'm not ever going to try to play it like Robert Johnson did. I, th I think he got over that in North, but he didn't even know what tunings they used. He just obviously adapted Crossroads in, in Cream. But, uh, but for a long time, Clapton just said, I'm not even going to go there. I'm not even going to try to play like Robert Johnson. Yeah. Uh, he did a little bit, you know, once he, once he did that blues. Yeah, he did, he did that Robert Johnson album. Uh, yeah. He, yeah. But, but for a long time, he wouldn't even go near it. And oh, he's yeah. like, I don't even know what tunings he used, but yeah, he used standard, <laughs> he used drop D, he used open D, he used open A and open G, which are the same tuning a step apart. He did all kinds of great stuff. He was a tremendous guitar player. Oh, no. And, uh, yeah. Elmore, Elmore Leonard was a student of his. I mean, Elmore Leonard. Elmore, Elmore, Elmore Leonard. <laughs> Elmore Leonard Skinner. <laughs> Elmore James was yes. a student of his. Yeah. Like they knew yeah. each other. They knew yeah. each other. So yeah. some of those tunings, uh, Elmore picked yep. up on Electrified. Yeah. Uh, uh, before we before we quit this topic, and I'm gonna bring this up, and we'll never ever bring this up again. Uh, sure. Being, being from Texas and having lived in Austin so long, and uh, and uh, one of the one of the people on Patrick's list was uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan, and you were talking about the difference between him and his brother Jimmy and and here's a this is one of the things that 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 I picked up from just being in Austin for so many years as as y'all know there is no, there are no shortage of blues guitar players in Austin you 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 can't get away from them no matter how hard you try and mm -hmm. uh you know, of varying, varying degrees of, of expertise and creativity and all that stuff. And the thing that I always found, I, I mostly don't find just blues guitar players impressed. They mostly are just copying stuff that they heard on records. And the, I'm not ripping on the ones that are really good, but that's... You know, you hear some technically proficient blues players in, in, in when before COVID, you could you could hear them all over town in Austin any night of the week. You know, you could hear somebody playing blues guitar that's playing the blues that's not bad. It's not really inspiring. It, it's it's not, you know, it's it's just kind of meh. Uh, Stevie Ray 
could take things that other people did that were mad. He could do the same damn thing and knock your brain out. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what makes somebody able to do that, but he could take something that had been played a million times that if anybody else was doing it, it would bore the living hell out of you. And you would go, good God, please do something different. <laughs> and he, and he could play a tired, wrung out, uninspired thing and just kick your goddamn brain out on the floor yeah. man yeah. you're just going damn just damn you well know? yeah you know and uh, when you talk about stevie um i immediately flashed back the first time i ever heard or saw him my dad and i like i said before my dad and i used to watch austin city limits on pbs and um it was one of our bonding moments and it, the night, the uh, first time I ever saw Stevie on there and he was wearing the uh, kimono robe and the big hat with the feather and right. all that. And, and I'd never seen anything like that. He just laid waste to, to the whole thing. And I just remember looking at that guitar and going, is that like mailbox letters he's got glued to that guitar? <laughs> and I was like, I mean, this is just amazing. And it was just blowing my mind. And my, I remember my dad going, that boy can play. I said, yeah, man, got the blues. Bought that guitar used at Ray Hennig's uh, music store. Part of Texas South music. Part of Texas yeah. music. Yeah. Uh, done on Lamar, man. Well, I'm uh, going to finish my list now. I'm going to jump back and finish mine. Oh, I, I'm uh, sorry. I, I thought that was your last one. No, I never I, I never got to finish because uh, that's the way it goes. And that's what <laughs> – never mind. It's a joke there, but I'm not going to go there. Um. My number one, back. <laughs> I, yeah, please don't accuse me of copying Pat. My number one is, of course, buddy guy calls man got the blues. <laughs> ben influenced, he influenced everybody from Eric Clapton to Jimmy Hendrix to Jimmy Page to Keith Richards to Stevie Ray to Jeff Beck. Worked with Muddy Waters as a house guitarist for Chess Records. Started in the 50s and is still kicking ass and recording great new albums. If you don't believe it, then you're crazy because we opened the show with one of the cuts from his 2019 album. And uh, now, who's your number one again? My number one was <laughs> Buddy Guy, Meg at the Blues. Uh, yeah, I still I say he's one of the greatest uh players I've ever seen live, and um. I mean, you know, I can't say that he was the greatest because I, I got to see Stevie Ray. And, uh, but you know what? I don't think Stevie Ray would be bothered if you said Buddy Guy was great. Nobody would. Eric I, I'm, would I'm, I'm really, I'm really kind of thinking that Stevie Ray would go, yeah, man, you're right. If I was talking to Eric Clapton, I said, you know, I really like Buddy Guy better. He'd go, well, me too. Yeah. Yeah. You're <laughs> right. Yeah. I can't uh, argue with you when you're wrong, man. <laughs> you know, that's right. Well, anyway, that wraps it up. Man, got the blues. I love the blues, man. I love the blues. Quick, uh, quick buddy guy story. I forgot to throw in there. Uh, yeah, uh, buddy was banging around Chess for a long time, but Leonard Chess didn't want to give him a contract of his own. And buddy said, "Why?" And Leonard said, "Because what you play is effing noise." And oh. then Jimmy, and then Jimmy Hendrix, <laughs> who. Who used to cancel his own gigs to go see Buddy? Go watch Buddy yeah, play. Yeah. Yeah. Jimi Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix breaks and Buddy plays Leonard some Hendrix. Can you hear that? 
that effing noise is making him a million dollars. So I'm saying, uh, I wanted I to tag. Go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, Henry, I can't believe Hendrix didn't make anybody's list. Yeah, well, yeah, he's one of the greats. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's it's like I, you know, it's all subjective, and it's like I had a on my uh, YouTube channel, and uh, you know, me and this other guy did five the five essential Southern rock albums. And all these people were like mad going, oh, you didn't put this. You didn't put that. You didn't put this. I said, well, did you get the part where there's only five of them listed? You can't. You can't. <laughs> right. mm-hmm. No, but, yeah, but, but you know, I mean, the, the reason I say I can't believe Hendrix didn't make any of our lists is not, it's the age we are, man. I mean, you know, I, I mean, Hendrix, Hendrix went big when we were when we were starting to listen to music and yeah. and and some of those other guys you know were 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 not as visible as as Hendrix. I didn't even think about him, which I, I don't know why. I mean, certainly he's a red hot was a red hot blues player, man. Yeah, me, I didn't either. I didn't either. Uh, uh, I I forgot. I did want to pull the honorable mentions card, and I mean, there's so many, but there's three that almost came to my list. One of them was a uh, blind Willie McTell. Uh, well, he was on my list. You were gone. Oh, I missed it. Yeah. Naysboro <laughs> yeah. blues for goodness sakes. What a great, yeah. Yeah. What a great guy. And another one was Charlie Patton. Was he on anybody's list? No, he wasn't. Charlie Patton was a uh, wonderful. I got a box set years ago of his stuff and kind of discovered, didn't know much about him until then. And the other one is uh, South Carolina's own pink Anderson. Um, oh, excellent! Excellent, Pink Blues, and after and the and namesake for Pink Floyd, him and yeah. the Floyd Council from North Carolina. Um, but Pink, um, you know, lived three miles where I, from where I live now, and when I was a kid, he used to be down near the Beacon Drive-in, and uh, he would sit his guitar case open. This is when he was like in his 60s i guess he was his guitar case open for people to drop tips in and sit there and play on the corner in spartanburg and it's like and nobody even really realized you know what his legacy had been uh right but carolina blues man great album uh he did two or i think two albums uh with that carolina blues man is one of the best anyway that's the blues and um so for next week i got a topic that you just can't beat. But I bet we can. You cannot beat this. <laughs> I, 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 I bet we can. <laughs> you cannot beat this topic. No okay. way. All right. It's called Different Drum. Oh, God. Essential <laughs> drummers and percussionists. That's right, baby. Yeah. And okay. and that means for not, each of us okay. individually, not necessarily trying to say one of us is naming the greatest five drummers of all no, time. No, I'm dreaming. I'm naming the greatest drummer of all time. It's Charlie Watts. <laughs> yeah, just like a Charlie Watts. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And before and before we sign off, uh, in, in this week's man got the blues. I think we all can agree that the greatest blues move of all time is Richard Marks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <You know. laughs> Suddenly, I'm feeling some sort of a twitch in my gut. Yeah, Richard Marks. Just even the thought of Richard Marks. Yeah, I was trying to at all. 
I was trying to get the show wrapped up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it kind of wrapped up a lot of things, you know. No, no. I, th- I think you, I think you killed it for good. <laughs> killed it, now, did. Killed in, it. In, did. in defense of Richard Marx, he seems to be a pretty cool guy, but uh, it's his Twitter is pretty good. But well, I, I yeah. don't doubt he's a fine human being. It just you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 I really, uh, I, I have like, nothing uh-huh. else to say. Uh huh. Uh huh. Nothing else to say. I like the other Marx Brothers better. Yeah, Harpo. Uh, Groucho and uh, yeah, what was the other one? Chico Zeppo. That's Carl. why they. That's what. That's why they. Carl. They kicked Rich. They kicked Richard out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. They kicked yeah. out Rich, Richard and Carl. Carl. Yeah. Carl Marx. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Um, yeah, boom. Boy, oh, man, just gets... boy, we, boy, we really fell apart right there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Really taking that uh, lowering that standard there as we go. We, we were doing, we were doing pretty good right up to the end, man. Boy, this damn is... wheel, damn wheels came off. <laughs> okay, all right. I, I blame Patrick. <laughs> all right, this sure. is uh, we're going to well, yeah, that's the signal, hand signals. <laughs> Uh, all right, that's going to wrap it up. Say bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody.
That was the legendary Robert Johnson hellhound on my trail, baby. Man, yeah, that's a real blues right there. Well, it's going to wrap it up for the Kudzu Radio Hour uh, again for this week. Once again, thanks for listening in. We appreciate it. Please, 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 please uh, share us on social media. Tell all your friends. Uh, we've got all sorts of stuff lined up and we have uh, we have a good time every week and we hope that you do too we hope you do too the uh Kudzu radio hour as always is brought to you by springer mountain farms chicken springer mountain farms uh gus and susan and all the gang wonderful people and they've got a great product their chicken is responsibly raised on family farms with none of the junk no additives or any of that crap so it's healthy it's better for you and all of that, it tastes really good. Springer Mountain Farms chicken, get it in your local grocery store, or you can order online and have it delivered to your doorstep. Check them out at springermountain.com, springermtn.com, Springer Mountain Farms. Program, as always, is brought to you also by that little old band from Los Angeles, the Box Masters. Bud and JD and the gang, and uh, they're just a wonderful rock and roll band. They have a great time. They bring back the um, cool vibes of the 60s um, in a contemporary setting, and it's just wonderful. Just wonderful, fun, fun band. I mean, you know Billy Bob Thornton from the movies and all that, and that's great. Oscar winner, Golden Globe winner, all that kind of stuff. But did you know that he's also a very, very good singer, songwriter, drummer, musician? Yeah. In fact, he was doing that before he went into the movies. So uh, some people don't know that, but he's, he's great. It's really good. And the Boxmasters are really happening band, man. They're groovy. Check out the Boxmasters and all their stuff, the albums. Get the new album Light Rays on vinyl, CD, or download, and much, much more at theboxmasters.com. Theboxmasters.com. Programs also brought to you by Roger and Linda Earl and the gang. Fog Hat, you know the band. You love them. You know them. You love them. You can't live without them. Slow Ride, Fool for the City. Uh huh. But man, they are also excellent wine people. They have some great fog hat wine. The Pinot, the Chardonnay, it is all good. Take my word for it. I know as somebody who's consumed mass quantities, <laughs> it's really good. Uh, find out more or order online and have it delivered to your doorstep. Foghatsellers.com, foghatsellers.com, foghatsellers.com. And you can find the band and more information on foghat.com. Like I say, we really appreciate you guys tuning in today. It's going to wrap up the program and we will see you all again next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Y'all come back now. You hear? <laughs>